Red Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 118 of the Under Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker and I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, and demonstrates Nearly every photographic process in history, including modern digital gear and techniques. And with me in the studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes herself and is our entry-level process and kids' class instructor. Welcome, Christine. Good evening. What's going on? We've been processing a lot of photos. Processing. We'll talk a little bit about that. What uh, What do you do after, ooh, after the big day uh, comes and goes? We're talking about wedding photography, specifically the the wedding we just shot uh, last weekend, two week two two, two weekends, weekends ago. ago. Uh, we're at about a a week and a half, and we've got the majority of our galleries up, at least for the still photography. We still have some other stuff that we photographed, and that is going to be in uh, that is going to be after we get you know the the meat and potatoes. I said potatoes, meat and potatoes of the uh, of of the reason we were hired online and ready for the bride and groom to do whatever they need to do. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so we'll talk about that. I've got a couple news articles that I thought was kind of interesting. We got our Paul C. Buff White Lightning X800s back. Unfortunately, they've been sitting in the boxes for a couple. About a week, maybe. For a couple, several days. And we finally, before we recorded the podcast, we're like, you know what? We need to open these white lightnings up and we need to see how well Paul C. Buff did. Did they do good? Did they do bad? We will talk about that uh, and more after this word from our sponsor. All right, Christine, got a couple things I wanted to, to bring to the table first. Okay. Before we go into all the other stuff over on F Stoppers, they are talking about there is a new DSLR coming. Wow. Hallelujah. Apparently, Rico Pentax said that they would continue to make DSLRs even though uh, even though mirrorless is taking over. And Rico's general managing of marketing, Hiroki Sugahara, Sugahara I apologize if I butchered that name, said uh, that they expected users to return to DSLRs after a few years. That's a big wow. Yeah, and there's those of us who never switched. Well, here's the thing. If we won the $2.1 billion lottery, I know that we'd have probably a dozen Nikon Z9s each. <laughs> but the problem is, and, and to be honest with you, I have not. I've shot a couple mirrorless cameras. The, the first few, uh, you know, when we, we, we met, met with our uh, with our Nikon rep when we when we first switched over to the big stuff, he's like, hey... You know, seven months later, hey, check out this body. I'm like, dude, you know, we just bought, we just went all in on D850s and backups. But it, but I was, I was not happy with it. I was not happy with the lag. I understand that's done. I, I really need to put a a Z. Uh, what are the a Z7 Z? 
I think there's a Z6, a Z7, and then now the Z9. I need to put that into my hands and play with one. I need to. I'll need to. I'll need to rent one or or something, and play with it. Because here's the thing. If you have any delay, whatsoever, in 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 what is perceived from the lens to the sensor to the screen in my eyeball, I'm not going to like it. Does you know do do mirrorless cameras still have a little bit of a delay that is noticeable by someone who has been looking through an optical an optical system an optical viewfinder for their entire life is is a mirrorless going to make me happy and I I really need to do that I need to put a mirrorless into my hands and I need to find out because here's the thing why do you think that this GM of marketing is is going to say, hey, we expect users to return to the DSLR market, and that's the only thing I think of. That's the only thing I can think of is is man, maybe that delay is still there. Maybe. Yeah. What do you guys think? Anybody have a, you know the mirrorless out there? Have you gone from a DSLR to a mirrorless? I know there's a lot of you out there. What do you think? Can you can you tell a lag? Is it enough to worry? And and you know what else worries me is you know these these uh, mirrorless cameras come with like a pre-shoot feature where it it shoots you can set it to shoot until you you hit the button and then you can select so many frames before and so many frames after that sounds like a pain to me i'm not sure how are batteries doing you know we, we kind of feel like it kind of feels like we're at the kind of at a at a plateau of battery technology and you know you, you keep hearing things about okay well we've got lithium ion batteries we have you know, we have these fuel cells in cars these battery cells in cars electric cars only you know every 10 years from what i hear i'm not an electric car guy every 10 years you need to replace that lithium ion battery pack and and we don't have that much lithium in the in the world to to really sustain that so so when is the new battery technologies coming out do mirrorless you know, am I going to get a lot less time with a mirrorless camera and with my battery than I am with my DSLR? That's very possible too. You're running, you know, you're running a monitor, you're running a camera, you're running pretty much everything. I'm sure they have great sleep modes. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm a big DSLR fan. Hell, I'm a view camera fan. And and the whole mirrorless thing, my 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 cell phone's mirrorless. I'm I'm good. <laughs> now, eventually, we will need to move to mirrorless, and we probably will, and probably will like it. But this is kind of an interesting new light at the end of the tunnel, which is Ricoh thinking that DSLRs are going to make a comeback. Well, rumor has it, this is uh, F-Stopper's uh, writing, that the company will release the update to the K70 DSLR later this month. And they write, information is scarce at the moment. It appears the, com- the camera will come back in excuse me, come in black and two specialty colors, crystal white and crystal blue, only 700 units. So here's the thing. They're not really going all in on this prediction of DSLR users coming back, of users coming back to DSLRs. And uh, the price will likely be at uh, about $800. Interesting. That's very interesting. Rico Pentax. Hmm, how about that? Uh, next thing that I, I kind of figured uh, kind of got my attention is an article over on 
camerajabber.com. The, uh, there's some, some price specs and a release date for the DJI Mavic 3 Classic. This is a nice-looking drone. It kind of looks like the DJI... Uh, what is the what is 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 it the is it the Air Three? The uh, DJI the regular DJI Mavic Three, the one that had the the zoom lens and the and the other lens and it kind of was, it was kind of a lot of trade offs. It yeah. kind of had like okay this camera's good this camera's okay that camera's okay, this seems like pretty much the same, the same stuff once again DJI releasing something just to be relevant in the market it seems we're still at 20 megapixel four-thirds type cmos sensor in this camera only one lens a alleged 46 minute maximum flight time and we know about the we know about these flight times you know maybe take maybe take five to ten minutes off of that to be comfortable and let's see uh it's got the Hasselblad camera still um, see, I'm going down here. Specifications. Oh, internal storage. Eight gigabytes of internal storage. Four-thirds CMOS 20 megapixel sensor. And I'm not sure if that's a... If it's 20 megapixel, it's probably not a one of those Bayer filter gimmicks that they've put out there where they, they put three filters on a 20 megapixel camera and then they call it 48 megapixel pickles. That's, that's garbage. A uh, decent field of view, a... Uh, an aperture adjustable aperture of 2.8 to f11, which is great. I, I, you know, we've got the DJI Air 2S, and while it does everything we need, you know what? I would like to be able to stop that aperture down just a little bit every once in a while. It'll record in H264 and H265, 5.1K resolution in 24, 25, 30, 48, and 50p. Hmm, no 60. No 60 for us uh, NTSCers. 4K at, and, and real 4K, 4096 by 2160. And then, of course, they'd also do the, uh, what's well, it's called DCI 4K, which is originally, which is normally 4, 4096 by 2160, all the way from 24 to 120 frames per second. Regular 4K, which is your normal 3840, all the way from 24 to 120 frames per second. Um 1080p 24 to 200 frames per second and then a bit rate of 200 megabits per second in h264 140 in h265 so that's going to be kind of interesting it's still one of those things where i'm not going to upgrade just just ain't gonna happen it's a good looking unit though and now with the what was it the dji avada was it the Avada? What's the newest frame? Uh, what's the newest um, first-person view drone with the ducted propellers? I'm I'm really surprised to see this come out with the exposed propellers instead of the the, the circles around the propellers, which is uh, which has been put into some of the new FAA 107 stuff. And uh, and that is you know you've got a couple more you've got you can do a, a few more things if you have a "Quote unquote ducted, or or a a a drone with with your propellers that are that are kind of protected, and uh, so that's kind of interesting seeing seeing this stay the way it is. But uh, let's see. Um, 
Uh, unfortunately, Camera Jabber does not give me any kind of a uh, United States dollar, but I have, yeah, I've got GBP and Euros, drone only, the classic, including the charger, classic, including the charger and the remote controller, and a Flymore kit, battery charging hub, a 65 watt car charger. And I'll tell you what, I think the whatever the, the one after ours was, you could you could charge the battery via USB C, and our Air Two S you cannot do that. You could only charge the battery through the included battery charger. Thankfully, when we go on the road, we usually have the Jackery or we have the Anchor with us, and the the Honda Pilot also has a has a an AC inverter built in. I don't know the wattage of it, but I've I've not I've not broken anything yet. Now I'm not going to plug in a a toaster oven or a blender or even my, my, my hefty video editing laptops, power plug. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just wish that we could pop it in USB. I can have a battery bank. I can have one charging if I need to, but we do have four batteries. So that gives us plenty of time for, for any project so far, knock on wood. What else do we have? Um, I saw over at, at Petapixel something called the Pika. And, you know, it, it was kind of cute for the first 100 times when you use a Raspberry Pi microcontroller and you call, and you make something, you always put the Pi something. Well, instead of a Leica, it is a Pika, and they call it, uh, it's a Raspberry Pi microprocessor with a quote-unquote high-quality Im image sensor module a Raspberry Pi 4 high quality image sensor module and a Leica M mount. And I, I haven't even, I, I just found this. It's 3d printed shell. They've, they've got a, a screen on the back. They've got the, as I said, they've got the M mounts so that you can put pretty much anything in there. I'm trying to bounce down. Uh, USB C drive is located USB stick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to go down to see what we got here because this this really makes me makes me kind of interested because with a raspberry pi you can program a lot of stuff and boy howdy would i love to be able to program a couple different things like for for instance slit scan i would love to have a camera that is boom boom jams ready to go shooting slit scan and what slit scan does is it takes the the center column of your camera the one pixel of your camera and it captures that one column of pixels. It then slides that column to the right. It captures another column of pixels, slides it to the right. It keeps doing this, and that way things that move across it will look a certain way. And the interesting thing is people walking left and people walking right will all look like that they were they were walking the same direction. And it's, it's a little difficult to wrap your head around, but this is what the old... And they call it slit scan because this is what the old photo finish cameras would would shoot for horse races. If you've ever seen a horse race photo finish, it's all the horses are kind of wobbly looking. And and that's that's kind of how that works. A, it would be a very small uh, column of, of light, a uh, column opening from between the lens and the film. And as the as the the camera was sitting there and the shutter was open the film would slowly wind and basically recording that one column over and over and over and over and over again. And anything that moved in and out and between that just was 
was recorded that way. Very cool stuff. I'm trying to keep going down. Um, there's a blog post. You can get the 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 3D files from GitHub. It is a Petapixel article from today, actually, November 8th. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to, to see how this goes. Um, it's got a nice, it's got a nice LCD screen on the back. It looks like a touch screen. You can program. Yeah. I'm really interested to see where this goes. It doesn't have any kind of specifications for this quote unquote high quality camera module, but I will tell you the first camera module that came out with the raspberry Pi was just hot garbage. And I think it was, I don't know if it was 480p or if the, if the raspberry Pi just, just really couldn't handle it or not. But I remember getting it. I remember trying to program for it and thinking, wow, all this money for this? Yeah, kind of sucks. Sounds like it. All right, moving on. We, uh, we, we've been playing with a, a new Flash system. And, and we've been big supporters of, you know, you know normal, normal lights. We've been big supporters of the Speedatrons, the, the white lightnings. We've been big supporters of always using, well, you know, pretty much always using the uh, the OEM flashes for a lot of our cameras. And I just had an itch. I, I, I bought one of these Godox. Godox flashes. I bought the V1N Godox flash. I'm tired of AA batteries. I'm tired of recycle times. The Godox V1 flash says you can get 480 full full strength pops out of a battery. Uh, it also has high speed sync. It also has a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and then of course I, if you, if you use a flash, you've got kind of like a transmitter in your camera anyway, because I like off camera flash so much. I also bought the X pro Godox X pro transmitter that will allow me to put that on my camera and pop my flash put up to, I think it was 99 groups channels and ids all kinds of crazy stuff i bought that i have an unboxing video that is sitting on the computer as soon as i get done these wedding photos i want to pop it out there but here's the thing i didn't like how the mount was for the x pro transmitter the the v1 n and the n just specifies your your system so n is nikon c is canon s is sony that had a nice locking mount the brand new Godox, well, the, the latest available Godox of X-Pro transmitter, which is, I found out is called the Mark I in some circles, has one of the screwy on hot shoe adapters. And it's, so I was kind of thinking, okay, well, well, what's going on here? I just so happened to find out that Adorama and in their infinite wisdom has a brand called Flashpoint. And it's the exact same thing. $50 cheaper for the flash, the transmitter, at least now, like right now, I think it's $50 cheaper through Adorama than through any other company for this Godox stuff. And we bought two. We bought two of them. It's the Flashpoint ones. We bought the Flashpoint version. I don't know what the name is for the, for the V1, but I'm really interested. I, I really want to get the AD200 for real estate photography. Right now, I'm, I'm popping several flashes for real estate photography. I really want to get the AD200. This transmitter and all this stuff talks together. And again, I'm a pocket wizard guy. But 
being able to put these flashes in a set in different locations and then from my transmitter on top of my camera i can set them to t uh, ttl i can set them to manual i can take the the i could take um higher or lower the the, the manual power it's got something called tcm i can shoot ttl and whatever showed up whatever power setting that flash used i can hit a button and it automatically moves that flash to manual for that power pretty cool i can do multi multi sync i can do multi shots you could do uh x power uh, for this many seconds at this hertz so therefore i can have i can do a slow shutter speed of christine tumbling down the stairs and every Every so many intervals, I'm capped. I'm flashing, and therefore, if I'm keeping the shutter speed open, I can, I can move, I can adjust, I can capture that movement. Um, but the thing is, is this Flashpoint stuff. I bought two, uh, two of the Flashpoint modules because I think the Godox may be going back. The Flashpoint transmitter, which is the exact same thing, has a Mark II version with that that lock for the top of the camera. And you know what? It's like I said, it's the same thing. It's a little cheaper. It's the exact same thing. You could tell that this comes out of the same company. All the screens look the same. All the, everything looks the same. But we're going to double check it. These flashes, I think, will come here. It will be here tomorrow or the next day. I will be doing a side-by-side -side comparison of the unboxings. I'll unbox, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of put everything in the Godox aside, and I'll unbox the Flashpoint. We'll talk about a little bit of differences. But... Yeah, I think this Godox stuff is going to go back because I'm I'm just not, I, I don't like the transmitter. And I know that's kind of silly, but I also read a, another positive about going Flashpoint versus Godox, which is Godox, if you have a problem, you're contacting a Chinese company. A lot of people are not happy about it because people think that they either ignore them or they're unresponsive, or they don't want to do anything, well, the Flashpoint is an Adorama-branded product, and therefore people are really saying Adorama has done a very good job at supporting these. So you know what? That's worth that's worth its weight in gold to me. Yeah. So we're going to get those in. And again, this is, you know, just like the Godox, it was, we're not sponsored. We, were, we bought this with our own money. We bought the flashpoints with our own money, and we're going to tell you the good, bad, and ugly, no matter what. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the Godox, excuse me, the flashpoint system. And I tell you, if this flashpoint is built like the Godox, the thing is heavy duty. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid I'm going to break it if I drop it. I mean, it is a very well done unit, and I'm very happy with all the testing, very consistent. And I'm really happy with testing. And I'm very happy about that I can scale up to the 8200 or the 8400, which in Flashpoint world, I have no idea what they're called. But I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to playing with them. And we're not sold on them yet. We may sit there and say, eh, this sucks. We're going back to our AA battery flashes. But... um uh, one thing the Godox does not have, the Godox does not have an optical trigger, optical slave, which kind of makes me a little sad. But I, you know, we've got we've got a lot of those little little peanuts and and things that plug into uh, to to things, and I'm thinking that I can probably plug one of those into the side sink. Yeah, should be fun. 
We'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, another another bad thing is that you know you're it's got its own lithium ion battery. No more double A's. No more. We're at a we're at an event. Oh hell, we just ran out of batteries. Go to go to Kmart and get us some more batteries. No more of that. And the batteries charge via USB-C, so therefore they're not the fastest. Uh, we're not talking about speed demon battery charging. So the thing is, is you're going to need to get an extra battery. Batteries are about 50 bucks, no matter if you go through Godox or Flashpoint. And um, yeah, we're going to need to make sure we overestimate the amount of battery power. Maybe get a, a you know, trying to get, get an idea of how uh, high speed charging affects these. I'll need to take a look at the the charger and, and how much power it can pull in from a USB-C and kind of kind of figure out what's going on. <clears throat> Lastly, before we get to the topic at hand, we, we opened up our Paul C. Buff White Lightnings. They were packaged beautifully. And if you don't remember our Paul C. Buff saga, we, we traveled... We needed to send their studio lights in because two of them had a fa had fans that were going faulty. And even though I cracked them open thinking, hey, I can replace a fan. Well, they were like, they were just completely surrounded by circuit boards. In my mind, a very, very bad idea, a very bad design of making such, uh, such consumable items such as a fan into something that is not user replaceable. We sent, uh, you know, we contacted uh, Paul C. Buff and they were very nice and they said, hey, you could send them in. I'm like, well, here's the thing. We could either send them in for $200 or we can travel down to Nashville, about 12 hour drive and spend a, a vacation, spend a week there. And instead of $200 to ship the lights, why don't we spend $2,000? <laughs> Which is pretty much probably lowballing. Uh, hotels and going to Dollywood and going uh, and having a lot of fun in, in Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg and then finally going to Nashville. Well, we were driving from Pigeon Forge to Nashville. We stopped and spent way too much time at the at the, the Green Bank Castle. Uh, we met the we met the creator of the Green Bank Castle, Junior Bank. He was such a good, uh, such a nice host. He was taking us on a tour. And then we looked at the clock and we're like, oh, we've got, we've got, what was it? Four hours? We've got four hours to travel. No, I think it was less than that. We had to be there by four o'clock. They were closing. It was Friday. We had to be there by four o'clock. And we put into the googly goo, we put getting there and it was putting us there at like 430 I thought I thought we screwed up big time. We spent too much time at the castle, and uh, so you know we're we're on the road, and we we even stopped at a Bucky's and we ran in, we peed, we got something to eat, got something to drink, and we ran back out. We did not spend any time at Bucky's, and we were on the road. and And I called Paul C. Buff and I said, "I'm I'm traveling, I'm on my way to you." And we're leaving on Sunday. I I have no other time to get this to you. I see that you're open at 4:30, but so, it's it's said on the website open till 4:30. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna be a couple minutes after 4:30. Oh, we close at four. I'm like, oh no. And and I said, well, well, what about your website? It says you're open until 4:30. Oh, well, that's the that that's the telephone line. 
and I'm like, and I told them my experience and I said, uh, <laughs> I said, I told them where we were and they said, don't worry about it. You, you know, and, and, and we, and like traffic must've changed because our time went from four thirty to like four ten, and they said, we're going to hang out here for you. Let me, let me double check with the, the, you know, with the, with the, the people here, let me double check with them, make sure that they don't mind. And we got there at like four Oh seven and they were waiting for us to drop off our lights. And I told them we had all the paperwork done. All we need to do is drop off the lights, give a firm handshake and say, see ya. We got there. Everybody was kind of hanging out anyway. I didn't think that, I don't think that exactly four o'clock they, they, you know, flip a breaker and then hightail it out the back window, but they were waiting for us. They were very gracious. We were very, uh, very happy and very grateful for, for, for them helping us out. And, um, so we got the policy, but we, we got an, an estimate for it. What was it? It was like $340 Something total. close to that. Now we were originally priced. I think it was forty five dollars an hour, or like a forty five dollar diagnostic fee. The fan board was fifteen. Well, it took a little bit more. They replaced some some bits and bobs on it. Well, they sent us a quote for them, and they wanted to replace the flash bulbs, which was only forty five dollars. And for for lights that are older than than I've known Christine, which is coming up on fifteen years, older than than her in my life, I figured. Okay, let's replace them. So I call them up and I say, "Hey, if you're replacing these flash bulbs, can you send us the old flash flash bulbs so that I have them as a spare in case I break one?" Oh well, we we can't do that, and I I kind of didn't like that, but I can understand. They give you a six month warranty. If we gave you the old flash bulbs and you and you put it in there and caused a problem, then we couldn't give you a warranty. Okay, whatever. Forty five dollars for a new flash tube. I was happy with that right before we started recording, we cracked open the boxes and the first, the first flash was one that had the, the plastic cover on it. That when I first got the flash, I, I was too stupid to, to wait for the, the, the damn modeling light to, to cool. And I put the plastic thing on it. It kind of melted. It kind of looked like Coochie Copy in uh, that Bob's burgers episode where he, <laughs> he puts it in the oven, trying to, uh, trying to dry it out. So they, that's the first one that I opened up. I opened up the, the plastic cover, had a, had a, a little foam thing around the modeling lamp, turned it on, fired a couple pops. Great. Put it in the pile to go to, you know, to go to the studio. Second one I opened up, didn't have the, didn't have the, the, the padding, didn't have the foam around the modeling light, but everything was fine. Went on. The third one, the modeling lamp was actually cracked, but it still turns on. I know I've got I know I've got more of the modeling light modeling lamp bulbs, but everything seemed to be fine. It kind of feels like maybe, you know, when they when they replace the and test the units, they go ahead and send it over to a tester, and then maybe the tester boxes them up, but but in order to get that extra plastic kind of protective cover around the modeling lamp and the, and the flash bulb, I guess they sent that to a parts person who, um, who then replaced the, you know, put, put foam around the modeling lamp and replace the thing. Maybe that one had a modeling lamp replacement. I don't know. But if, if I had to complain about anything with this repair, I would complain that unfortunately something happened to the, the modeling lamp on the way. 
maybe that unit got a new modeling lamp. Maybe the, the parts person was cool enough to put that foam around that modeling lamp just to keep it safe. But one of them was cracked. It's okay. And, uh, and maybe it's a little bit better because that modeling lamp in there is, it's just on a regular screw in. And, uh, and two, the, the, the second one, the third one, the, the screw, the, you know, the lamp was actually loose in the, in the, the normal, you know, screw socket. But, uh, I feel like that one may have gotten a little, a little damaged in shipping and, you know, whatever. I still give it, uh, you know, I still give it an, an astounding success. Definitely yeah. recommend Paul C. Buff. If you've got any of their, their lights, or even if you get yourself a, a you know, a secondhand light, uh, a Paul C. Buff light, I would highly recommend their their uh, their repair people. They did a very good job. You know, these people are in Nashville. I mean, <laughs> and they even stayed a little longer to recommend some things for us to do. We were like, here's the lights. See ya. And they were like, oh, hey, so, so how long are you in, t- <laughs> in town for? And we told them, and, and they took the time to kind of recommend some some restaurants and recommend some things to do. And it was, and unfortunately, our dance card was completely full. I think we did end up going to one restaurant, and then we went to the the, the brewing company that they talked about. But uh, but other than that, really cool people. If I have to complain about anything, it's that maybe uh, maybe next time put a little bit more padding. Where the the modeling lamp and the flash tube are, even though you got that really heavy duty plastic like clampy on y protective thing, m- maybe that. And even if it's just just some some cheap foam, or even even if it's just some 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 craft paper, I think that'd be really cool. I think yeah. it would I think it would have worked out. It would have made it would have taken me from a ninety eight percent satisfaction rate to a one hundred percent. Well, maybe ninety nine because uh, the price was a little. A, a little high. I, I guess I could have said no to the flash tubes. They they figured the flash tubes were were pretty much at end of life because they were very they were very cloudy and, and they were very cloudy. And they told me that that usually uh, when you know when they're getting ready to go they get cloudy. And I tell you what these these white lightnings, I've had them like I said I've had them for over fifteen years and they're just champs. I mean modeling lamps have come and gone because they're just incandescent. But the flash tubes, I mean, they just keep going and going and going. So I feel good that I now have, minus the one modeling lamp I've got to re- I've got to replace. I now have three brand new white lightnings that have been checked by the by the company. So that's not bad. Not bad for three hundred forty bucks. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. Okay. 35 minutes in BS and about all kinds of news and crazy stuff. Um, uh, if you listen to last week's episode, we, we shot an, uh, an extensively long wedding. We came in and, um, we came in and photographed, uh, the rehearsal the night before the rehearsal dinner. And then the next morning, you know, Christine went to the uh, went to the bride's people, who of course started at nine thirty in the morning. Of course, men are a little bit different. I asked the the groom. I said, "Hey, what time are you guys going to start stirring and uh, and start thinking about getting dressed?" And he said, "Ah, about one <laughs> It's fine by me. Christine was Christine uh, busted her butt. She she did some uh, amazing amazing images, and. 9, 10, 11, 12. I had four hours to kill. 
I sat on the back deck and I, uh, I got some 360 photos around the venue. I got a lot of drone stuff around the venue as well. And uh, I just kind of sat down. I kind of relaxed. It was a nice warm day. I sat out on the deck of this, this bed and breakfast and uh, the sun was coming over the trees, warming me up, just getting me ready. Christine brought me some snacks. She, you know, the, 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 the ladies were kind of in the middle of doing hair and she got the, the beginning and the end of, of getting the hair done. And, um, so she kind of came up, brought me some snacks from the, from the bride suite, black bottom cupcakes. If you don't know what black bottom cupcake is, it's a chocolate cupcake with a little bit of cream cheese. No cheese, uh, cheesecake, cheesecake, cheesecake drizzled on top. It is the, it is the best thing you'll ever stick in your mouth. <laughs> Black bottoms are amazing. I think Black Forest cheesecake is the same <clears throat> way, but that's got cherries on top. Yes. So Black Forest without the cherries. cherries. Yeah. So really good stuff. Went ahead and and got got all the gentlemen and having that extra time was was kind of good and kind of bad. I'm sitting here just chomping at the bit to get stuff done. I'm and I'm I'm hurrying up and waiting, which is uh, which is very rare for a wedding. Typically you're, you're on a, you're on a tight schedule. You're, you're there when you need to be, but, but since the, um, you know, since the bride and groom had gotten us a, a suite at the bed and breakfast, we were, we were there, um, room service, breakfast, uh, breakfast in bed happened at seven 45. Christine, you know, got all her gear together and she wanted to test something out with the flash. And I said, sure, flash me in the face at 9 a.m. And of course I never got back to sleep, but it was okay. I was happy. I was glad to go out and sit on the deck, get some stuff, uh, get some, my mind figured out, get all that stuff. We shoot the, uh, I shoot the groomsmen, you know, kind of getting their, their primp on, you know, putting their ties on, putting their jackets on, doing their hair, a couple gifts going back and forth between the parties. Uh, the groomsmen can then came out and had, uh, had champagne, had cigars, and then, uh, and then I scattered back in to get, you know, I had on, uh, had on kind of business casual to, to start the day, but then I went into, into my, uh, into my suit for, for, for the wedding part and, um, and yeah, had the ceremony. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about, um, uh, officiants sometimes make it hard and, and we'll kind of talk a little bit about that as well, because, you know, we're shooting a little higher ISO than normal in a, uh, in, in a room that usually you, you have that with churches, not with private venues, but Hey, you, you, you make, you make you the efficient, happy, the efficient, make you happy. And I could have been a total jerk. And in fact, if you remember, he thought I was a jerk because he's been burned by photographers before, but I could have proven to him that I was a jerk. And a couple of the things that I needed help from him may not have happened. Uh, namely, um, I had promised the the bride and groom that I would videotape it. I'm I'm not I'm not doing any videography. I'm just setting up a camera. I'm gonna micro I'm gonna mic up the officiant, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna edit the video. I'm gonna fix the you know I'm gonna make sure it's uh, exposed right, color corrected, and I'm gonna make sure that the audio sounds as good as it can. And I'm gonna say have at it. And they were okay with it. They were so happy with it. I didn't have time. I mean, we didn't have time. Christine and I didn't have time to to play videographer this time. 
but the, the fishing has told me no. And then I specifically asked, hey, can I, can I ask one, one, uh, one favor? Please make sure you stagger the, the, the wedding party and the, 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 the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. Please stagger them so that I can get in there and get a shot, get a shot, get a shot. He was completely cool with that. Uh, photograph the ceremony, photograph the after stuff, which is when we brought the flashes out. The officiant didn't really want us using flashes. We brought the flashes out, recreated a couple of the shots, the rings, the kiss. We went outside. It was a beautiful area outside and a beautiful day. We got some drone shots. We got a bunch of the, uh, of the, the pairing shots, family, friends, the, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen all, all having fun and, and doing funky stuff. And then, you know, you, you always seem to have a, a bride and or groom that, uh, that wants all these funny photos. And this one, of course, was no exception. And we try to do as many as we can. But here's the thing. You let them know, look, you have a lot of photos. You got the frame where you're, you're kissing while holding the picture frame. Look, you get all the props together. And then we'll get the shots that you want. And then when we have time, we'll get the shots that, you know, that are going to take a little bit of setup, but, but kind of funny. And pretty much the only thing we did, we had the groomsmen throw up the, uh, the groom up in the air, which only went up about three inches. <laughs> and then we had all the groomsmen and the bridesmaids had these funny uh, heart-shaped little sunglasses with, with, with uh, pink lenses. And, and that was it. The, the bride gets tired and kind of sick of it after a while. She just went through all that prep. She probably didn't sleep very well the night before. She went through all that hair, all that makeup, that whole ceremony, and now she's got to be at your beck and call. Okay, I need you and the groom and your family, you and the groom and his family, you and the groom and the bridesmaids, you and the groom and the groomsmen, everybody, this and that and this and that. That always seems to go out the window. Those funny shots always seem to go out the window when, A, you've got a tired bride, B, you're running out of time, and and C, it just doesn't seem to be very funny anymore because I know she's hurting as much as everybody else, if not more. Sore feet, sore back, headache, probably a big weight off her shoulders. All she's got to do is get through the reception. It Nine times out of ten, a lot of those funny shots, and believe me, I had three pages of funny shots ideas. And I said, look, I'll be happy to deal with all of them. But you've got to get the props for the ones you want. We've got to, we've got to be smart about uh, setting up time. And pretty much it was like, okay, let's get to some of your other shots. And she's like, uh, she was done. She was completely done. And, and don't get me wrong, the bride and groom were amazing. They were so fun to work with. They were so fun to be around. They were so fun to, to, to photograph. But when you're done, you're done. We then we then rush over to the reception area. We get that. We uh, we shoot for for the longest time. The bride and groom were so fun. We do not drink. We do not drink when we're when we're photographing. And uh, we specifically went to them. And when when everything was done, we don't we don't cut out early we don't give them oh we only have this many hours but when everything was done i asked them if they wanted any more shots because we were going to call it a night they said hey 
why don't you go put your cameras away and come back and, and help us close this out? They were going to 11. Uh, we, we were done at about 10. I think the, I think the reception started at five, five 30. They, they were, we were done at 10. They were closing up at 11, came back. Christine and I, we put our cameras. Did you get a, did you get a drink? I grabbed a beer. Christine grabbed a beer. I think I grabbed a, I was getting a little bit of a headache. So I grabbed something with caffeine and then even though it was frigid cold, oh, I grabbed our jackets. Even though it was frigid cold, they had homemade ice cream and I grabbed some. Probably not the smartest thing, but we we closed out with them, had a great time, and then and then we photographed the next morning. They had a they had a group breakfast for all the the family, bridesmaids, groomsmen, everything. Um, kind of kind of recapping probably what I've already recapped last week. I apologize, but now that we are we're we're done all of our all of our edits. I just uh, I just need to put Christine and Mai's edit of the the ceremony and the reception together and get them online and process. That's going to be a tomorrow thing, but kind of going back through you you look at a lot of these things and and you've got to shoot what you got to shoot. One of the main things is is um, just knowing the the whole exposure triangle. And what I mean by that is, if you're uh, if you're wide open, two eight or whatever your lens can can handle, you're shooting at two eight, and um, and your shutter speed is is way too low. Let's say you're shooting a fifty millimeter lens. Ideally, you should be at one fiftieth of a second or faster. Whatever your millimeter is, put that in the fraction of the of the shutter speed, and that's going to be good enough for hand holding. I like to double that, so therefore I was shooting a lot of stuff. Um, I was I was bouncing. Uh, we do not stand in front of people at a wedding, so therefore a lot of my stuff was from the sidelines, where I'm you know I'm zooming in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be at one fiftieth of a second or two hundredth of a second. If you are if you can't get that that fast, you need to bump your ISO up. It just happens. I can't tell you how many weddings. Uh, we've, we've turned black and white in the, in the, uh, in the ceremony area in the church because we can't use light. We can't use flash. We can't do this. We can't do that. Uh, we've even shot a wedding before where, uh, it was a, a church with about 20 rows of pews and there were only enough people for five rows, but guess what the photographers had to do? Stay in the back, stay in the back behind the 20th pew. It was the craziest thing. And that pastor was a friend of the bride and groom too. Can you imagine that? When you get through that, and, and we've got a lot of great things today. I just, I just, we just watched a, a video today from uh, Camera Conspiracies, and he was talking about Topaz's video AI to to upscale video and also slow it down. And of course, he had to um, had to throw photographers under the bus. Tell us we suck and we suck and we are terrible. And uh, he's not wrong. I, I like camera conspiracies a lot. He's a funny guy. Um, before before Topaz denoise, I mean, I would have had to set to send a lot of those images black and white. But Topaz denoise really saved a lot of them, and I love that that the denoise fee, the function uh, I can batch them. Uh, I did upgrade to Topaz Photo AI. I I don't see a way to batch that yet, which kind of sucks, but it was okay. If I want to do onesie twosie thing, I want to throw something into photo AI, great. But I was able to take and export all of my images and uh, and I sorted them by ISO. In, in Windows, you can add another one of those sort things where, where it shows you 
name, date, size, whatever. You can do ISO sensitivity. And anything over 800, I, I sent automatically through the Topaz. I think it was D, yeah, Denoise. Sent it through Topaz Denoise, and everything just looked popped. Everything popped amazingly. Going through, uh, just make sure you know you, when you go through your edits of a of a of a uh, of a big event like that. You know, the first thing is you're going through and you're getting rid of the obvious stuff. Take it in the Lightroom or whatever your program is. Render one-to-one previews. Blow through it on a large monitor. We've got these 15-inch LCD screens, but in order to get a really good look, we had to blow it up to you know our big desktop monitor. And you know you're just gonna ex- you're just gonna uh, X out. Don't delete. Don't delete from Lightroom, and there's there's two reasons for that. Not because, uh, you know, not because you're really trying to save the image. First reason is, and if you happen to delete something by accident, and you deleted it from the disk, maybe you didn't have a backup, which you should have anyway. It, it might be gone. Second of all, it takes time. When you blow through Lightroom and you've got your finger positionings perfect, you can blow through and then you can hit X for reject. And then your thumb can be on X and all your other your other digits can be on one, two, three, four, and you can rate images or you can sort images. One is reception, two is ceremony, oh, that's backwards. Three is bride and groom getting set up, four is decorations. You can do all these things. Uh, I've even used one where um, I, I use different color codes in order to tell me, okay, I want to send this through denoise, but I, I, but I tell you what, Looking at the ISO in Windows File Manager was perfect. I automatically knew 800 ISO and higher. I only went 816. 816, I knew we were going to be noisy. Send them automatically through. Came back perfectly fine. I exported them through through Lightroom first, and then I sent them through Topaz Denoise automatically, and I was just I was just very happy with with the results. Very very happy. Um. Then when you are done your your passes, you're always going to be rejecting images. But you can take and you can set Lightroom to only show you images that are unflagged. That means they don't have a reject flag. They don't have a pick flag. And as you're working, you could say, well, that image is out of focus. Or I've got two of the same image. I like this one better. You hit X and it it doesn't delete it. It just, it just takes out of your view takes it out of there for you. You can then go at the end of when you're done editing everything, you can go back and say, okay, Lightroom, show me every image that has an X on it and then delete it, delete it from the disc. Instead of you taking, when you're going through the flow and you should be going, uh, you should be hitting the, uh, the, the right arrow, right arrow, X, right arrow, one, right arrow, two, right arrow, X, right arrow. You should be going through at that pace. If you've got to go, okay, next image, Okay, well, I'm going to hit Control-Delete to delete from disk. I'm going to wait a second or two for that to happen and Lightroom to catch back up and figure out what its life is. It, it really ruins your, your workflow. Absolutely destroys your workflow. Your next pass is going to be, do I have duplicates? Okay, I've got, uh, let's say I've got, oh, I've got to pull my microphone cable out between my desk. Let's say I have three of the same image. Something great was going to happen. You know, they're getting ready. They're feeding each other cake. And I'm sitting there just hammering down the shutter button because you don't know. You don't know if if they're going to smash it or they're going to eat it. 
or the wife feeds you first and you weren't planning on smashing in her face, but you're like, she ain't got no protection now. Mm-hmm. Tell me how I know. Then mm-hmm. you go through again and then you go through again. And then you're going to go through images and you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, well, here's an image of, of the, the groom pointing at the floor. What the hell is he pointing at? I don't know. Take it out. Does it, does it tell a story? No, because if you don't remember, they're likely not going to remember unless it's something special. Put the wedding, put the wedding gallery together from someone that wasn't there. Pretend like you weren't there. What's going on here? Who are these people? Do I have it cropped? Do I have, have I edited this image so that I'm seeing that I, I, oh, that must be all the, uh, that must be the groomsmen. Oh, that must be the bridesmaids. Make sure that your, your photos, uh, they tell a story. Make sure they have the impact and tell a story. Now with wedding photos, not every image is going to be, uh, going to be put up, uh, printed, framed, put up on a wall or sent to a photo contest. So you've got a lot of stuff where you're like, okay, what's the bride and the groom with mom in the middle talking to them? They're going to want that shot. Now, of course, you're getting pose stuff. You're getting dances and dancing on the dance floor. You're getting a lot of stuff that is uh, that is great interactions between the families. But uh, there, there's a there's a there's a thin line. And another thing you need to worry about is. I will delete the bad images out of focus, um, uh, out of focus. Maybe the flash didn't fire. Maybe there's a little kid in the back picking his nose. I mean, you probably keep, I'll probably keep that because you can always clone the kid out, but only the absolutely unusable images should you delete. Why? I've had this before. I'm going through the images and, um, I'm trying to think of what it was. It was a it was a family member that had died, and in the back of the in the back of the behind the bride and groom, uh, they asked me if I had any more images of this this one person. They had died, and besides getting you know getting the table shot, um, I, I they really didn't and nothing really happened to the point where I I focused in on this one random family member, and I think I had an image where I just I just took a. A, a basic image of people dancing. And I think he was dancing with, uh, with somebody and they asked me, they sent me a photo and said, look, he's in this shot. Do you have any more of them? And just because he was just some guy, I mean, you're not going to take a photo of every single couple, dozens of couples that come up and down on a dance floor. You're looking for those interactions between, uh, between the bride and groom and the, and the bridal party. You, you it just, it just doesn't happen, but I was able to find it. And that was because even though it was a, it was a rejected image, it still was an okay image. I just happened to have a better image of the, the group on the dance floor and, and, and they must've moved out or something. They must've left and sat back down. But the thing is, is what I usually do is I will X out the images that are completely unusable in any way possible. I will delete them. As I go through again and after I've deleted the obvious turds, I then go and everything I reject and I use the X key to reject that. I will not rate that at all. It'll still be out of sight, out of mind, not even in the wedding gallery because there there's better images. 
but I always keep them in case the bride and groom come back and say, hey, did you happen to blah, 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 and then I can find it. Now, as far as storage is concerned, you know, you may have a, a, you know, maybe gigabytes worth of storage to keep those images in their existing raw format or a DNG. Well, what I usually do, if, a, if an image rates low, either on my star scale, if I'm, if I'm starring things, or if I'm using stars as a, a completely different way to, to categorize the images, I will convert those images. I will color correct them and I will trans, I will convert them to JPEG and export them as JPEG as the same resolution. And, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm color correcting them to start with, which they're, they're close enough as it is because I've gone in and I've separated also images. Okay. These are all my ceremony images. I'm going to white balance one. I'm going to set it. I'm going to go through them. It's probably all good. So I'm good there but I'm saving about 90% of that storage space with that file by sending it from a raw to a JPEG. I still have it in the best quality I have. I've just lost a little bit of that exposure latitude. Um, I then go into a gallery system. We have a gallery system on our website. We use a, a piece of software called Sitist, S-Y-T-I-S-T, very customizable, very good program. I've been using it for a long, 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 long time. I uh, actually was using it since it was called Pictures Pro. I think there was a there was a there was a version before that, and it does all my order fulfillment. Uh, well, it doesn't do my fulfillment. It does all my orders. It does all my all my contacts. All my all, you know customers can log in and 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 do this and that. Um, but that is the that is the next step. I've got the I've got the gallery set up. I've got the sub gallery set up for. Set up for bride, set up for groom, and that's going to be bridesmaids, groomsmen, decorations, everything they've done around the area that include no people. Still life, if you if you want. Still lifes of the the effort that they put on to put signs up, put flowers up. Um, I've got the uh, I've got the rehearsal, which includes a rehearsal dinner. I've got the ceremony, which includes the after ceremony recreation and just bridesmaids and groomsmen and and everybody together and then of course the uh, the reception and then the the sunday brunch we had a sunday brunch as well um the the longest uh, three days the longest wedding we've shot but three days worth of of stuff um once that is done as i, I said in the beginning of the episode we're getting all of that stuff online because that's the bread and butter they wanted photos but we are not very happy with just giving the bare minimum. As I said, I got drone shots, drone videos, 360 stuff. Once all that meat and potatoes is up, I will then move to drone photos. Well, drone photos of the, the wedding party are going to go in with the gallery. But I'm going to be setting up drone photos of the, of the area, 360 shots of the area uh, and the areas that, are, that were decorated. And I'm going to put them together. Uh, we talked about this last, uh, I don't know if we talked about it last week or the week before, uh, the venue is going to get a couple shots. The, uh, I'm going to ask the, the, I, I haven't, I, I haven't yet because they were on their honeymoon, but I'm going to ask the bride, where'd you get your flowers from? I'm going to send some shots over to the flower people. Um, I didn't get a good shot of the DJ because he was up, he was up like some stairs, but usually, uh, I get a shot of the DJ. I got one shot. But uh, it's not a very good shot because of just the angle that I had to get him. So 
I'm prob I'll probably send that to him too. But you but you make friends with all those people. Uh, after that, I've already given them I've already given them the gallery information and told them, look, you know, uh, half your gallery is up today. The next half's going to be up tomorrow. Keep checking back, and that way I get them get them ready. Get them ready to 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 understand how the gallery works. Maybe set up accounts, and and start looking in through images and favoriting them. They can favorite them on the the the, uh, the software here. Uh, once that's done, they will they will likely ask me to start putting some books together, of which where that's where favorites come in handy. I'll tell them to each favorite, you know, their favorite images from every step of the day, and then we'll then we'll design a book for that. Um, once that's done, uh, usually bride and groom will, will send that gallery to, to friends and family. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll buy a la carte prints from, from me there. And then when the bride and groom are ready, what I, what I usually do is I get that the bride and groom order whatever they want. And then we square up with something at the end. And I will usually sit there and say, and, and, you know, or they, they give me their entire order and I'll give them a price. <laughs> I always give them a very good price when printing because they've already spent a lot of money with me being there and capturing the, the day uh, specifically if it's somebody that doesn't, does not purchase, you know, the entire, the entirety of all the images. And, and while this, this bride and groom definitely could have, um, they specifically said, look, you know, we're, we're ordering prints from you. They didn't have to. They could. They could have downloaded images, gotten a gotten a DVD, gotten all their images on a flash drive, and they could have sent them to Walgreens. But no, when you when you find a really good bride and groom, or a really good wedding couple that really likes your work and really appreciates the quality and the and the and the the love you put into your images, they just want to buy images from you, which I love. I love working with people like that. There are a lot of people that just are not like that, which is why we. We very, uh, we are very picky with with who we pick to to photograph weddings. It's I, I don't even I don't even I think the I think the website mentions it, but I don't even push weddings. It's always word of mouth, and I've I've never had a uh, never had a bad experience with a a bride and groom um, from that practice since I've been doing that. I've had some I've had some doozies, and maybe that's a, an episode for a talk for another episode. But yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's how it works out. It works good, and then once that's done, uh, I will I will keep their images on on uh, you know local hard drives as well as as backups. I'll keep them on local hard drives for about six uh, six months or so, and then I'll put them in the deep storage where I can I can retrieve them at any time. But they're just not right here at my fingertips. Um, and I I think that's about. Did I miss anything, Christine? I mean, I'm sure there'll be gonna be a lot of fulfillment stuff. It's going to be a lot of printing. Um, we'll need to send books away to get books printed. And we'll sit down with the bride and groom and help them design, you know, oh, help absolutely. them decide what they want in the books. And Well, I usually don't sit down with them. I usually uh, I, I usually send them a couple designs that I've done in the past. And I say, hey, look, take a, take a look at this one. Take a look at this one. You know, I'm, I'm completely happy to make uh, edits and to, to go as custom as you want. But... I just want to get you started on on some ideas, and uh, and we'll go from there. But other than that, yeah, 
leave. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then uh, and then it's on to the next, which is uh, we're we're already booking up for uh, for for fall photo sessions and um, and Christmas cards. I've got a I've got a big Christmas card order coming up. Um, it's not it's not necessarily a big order, but is an expensive order, which will involve um, custom uh, cutting custom sized printer paper and then uh, custom creasing these cards. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of time uh, involved, but uh, it's it's a lot of expense. That that time is expensive. So uh, if this if this client is gonna you know move forward, there I haven't gotten the okay yet, but if they want to move forward with it, they're they're gonna be spending about ten dollars more per card. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's a shoot that's coming up Saturday, but uh, but we'll see we'll see how it works out. I'm I'm willing to work with anybody, and uh, and make people's dreams come true, and and you should too. You know if you need to buy. Uh, bigger printers if you need to buy uh, um, uh, roto trim trimmers of, of giant proportions if you need to buy paper creasers to crease your own cards and you need to you need to hire people to to sit there and crease cards you know it's uh, you know you've got to decide am, am i full service or am i not and uh, i i tell people i'll i'll do whatever i'll, I'll make whatever work i'm i'm pretty resourceful i'm pretty I'm pretty creative when it comes to that. And, uh, and if I can't, then I will work with them to find somebody who can, I will, I will provide the images. They want something special printed. Well, I don't do that here, but here's a, here's a place that I've heard does really good work. I'll be happy to, to order these on your behalf, whatever. And, uh, and it usually works out really well, but yeah. we'll see how that works out. We will. I think that's about the end of our of our time today. I want to thank everybody for for joining us. Uh, let us know what you think about the return of the DSLR, the Pika. That's a terrible name. <laughs> the Raspberry Pi. Let me know what is the Raspberry Pi 4's high quality image sensor module. Sounds like I may need to put that on my list of things for Santa to bring me. The high image, high quality image. I don't even know what that is. Let me know what you think about that. Are you a Godox or a Flashpoint user? What do you think about that? Have you worked with Paul C. Buff uh, flashes? I think they're fantastic. What do you think? And how about your shooting of weddings? How is your post-processing a little bit different than ours? Let me know. You can always connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. Your comments just might make it to a future episode. And as always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to love to join us. All the love and support we receive from people like us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon subscription supporters. You guys keep this show on the road. I was getting ready to say rails. I went to road and it just sounded weird in the middle. Starting at just a buck, you can get our shows early with our supporters only after show. All without ads, be sure to check out our supporter tiers, which are geared towards bringing you along on our photography projects with great rewards. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 118 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation of the photographers of any other skill of our process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing this with them. Big thank you to my co-host, Christine Miller, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on Patreon or our supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to visiting you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.